When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. G'day guys, welcome back to the Pelican Scoop, a hoop dash ball presentation. I am your host, Lyle Swithenbank, at Lyle Swithenbank on Twitter, L-Y-L-E-S-W-I-T-H-E-N-B-A-N-K. Guys, another guest today, uh, there's been a whole heap to unpack, and um, so I thought I'd bring in the expert, uh, the editor-in-chief at The Bird Rides, Ollie Cassell. Ollie, how are you going? I'm doing great, and I love talking to somebody in Australia. I'm sure a lot of your listeners may not know, but that's where I was born. I was born in Sydney, and I moved over when I was six. So I still plan on going back someday to live, but I've been back to visit. I'm oh, Australian. Fantastic. Oh, well, <laughs> even better. I did not know that. And uh, oh, there you go. It's good to have another Australian on here. <laughs> yeah, I just don't have the accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know, if you come back, you'll probably get it back pretty quickly. Uh, it does, yeah. Uh, that's great. Um, so the Pelicans. What a season. Um, a bit up and down, a bit of a roller coaster. Um, what were your thoughts? What were your high-level thoughts before we, before we start unpacking things? Yeah, I, you had hoped for a lot better. Um, you watched the first season with Zion Williamson, his rookie campaign, and yeah, the team got to a horrible start. But you know what? It's because they didn't have Zion for the first 50-odd games. Derek Favors went out for about 30, and there were no legitimate backups. So the team, of course, had their 13-game losing streak, set a franchise record. But I'll tell you what, when they all got back together, you kind of saw the future, or at least you thought you did, right? The, I want to say they went 22-14 and 14 was their record before the pandemic shut things down. Um, and even though the bubble play, they fell on their faces flat out, you still had hope that, hey, this young core, this is going to be worthy. Uh, just get some bets around these guys, keep growing the product. Well, after, you know, after what transpired this summer, you know, you came in with hopes Eric Bledsoe could step in. The drop-off wouldn't be too severe. You thought Steven Adams might be an upgrade over Derek Favors, but it just didn't work out like that, Lyle. Um, the team really struggled again out of the gates. I know that they – I want to say they started four and two. Had a couple wins over Toronto, but quickly, you know, the eyesores popped up. They had no bench starting off. Even J.J. Redick, as we came to learn, he had requested a trade – during the offseason. So it was no wonder he started off the year in a slump. And there was nobody else really reliable outside of Josh Hart, right? Nikhil started off kind of like he had last year. Jackson Hayes was flat out unplayable. So at the start of the year, it was, hey, the Pelicans defense looks okay, improved, but you can't rely upon anybody off the bench and the offense is struggling. Um, and of course, we went to all sorts of other roller coasters after that. Team did start playing better, but the defense took a nosedive. The offense, Point Zion was born. So you were getting, what, these 120, 125 games. So it was exciting. But when it came down to crunch time, they lost way more than they won. And that was kind of the theme that developed after that. There wasn't the, – there was a leadership void, Lyle, flat out. Your two cornerstones, Zion and Brandon Wild, they look like they're going to be legitimate top 20 players, if not better, for a really long time in this league. They're still not ready to lead. I mean, Brandon tried again last year. He wasn't good in clutch minutes. He wasn't good again this year. Zion, even though he, he, if he's got his lanes, he can get you the buckets and he can make the right passes. But once teams kind of figured out what he was all about, they started, you know, showing three men. And without the shooting, New Orleans never had the three-point shooting this year. 
finishing top or bottom five, excuse me, in the league in three-point shooting. So there was all these holes, right? Defensively, they improved, but the shooting was never there. The leadership wasn't there. They couldn't close out games well. And Eric Bledsoe and even Steven Adams, to a degree, were disappointments. So overall, the season, like I said, it's just disappointing. You had hoped for more. They only won one more game than they did a year ago. Yeah, and it, I mean, I think you summarized that perfectly. That was nice to put a little bow on it. And um, I was reliving it as you well, sort of talked through. Stuff, but there were some positives, Lyle. We got to mention, right? All the guys took a step forward. After I, I bashed Nikhil and Jackson, they finished off the year really well. I thought Lonzo improved well enough, right? In two of his last six games, he scored 33 points. Um, those were both career highs for him. I feel like he uh, kind of, you know, showed that maybe he could be the point guard if they decide to resign him. So there were some pauses. I don't want your listeners to think it was all bad, right? The youth, the core, it looks promising. They just got to get add a few more pieces to it. Yeah, completely agree. And I mean, um, on here, we we were we were brutal on the pod. We were brutal about it in the early parts of the season. Um, you know, I I remember just about throwing a tantrum after. Um, you know, Jackson Hayes playing big minutes early on. And it wasn't until he was benched that he sort of, I don't know, dug in and started to develop. He was sort of almost astronomical the way he um, sort of uh, turned into a different player. And um, I mean, all credit to him, credit for uh, credit to him for actually like responding and starting to play some good basketball. The young guys, Nikhil as well, you know, he came on when he was playing as a starter, almost averaged 20 points a game, just short of, um, you know, those leaps are the things that we've been looking for. And I suppose David Griffin's sitting there rubbing his hands to go, together saying, well, this is this is what I wanted. Um, do you think... What about discovering Najee Marshall too? Oh, that yeah, well, exactly. Yeah, wasn't he? Diamond in the rough they found and, um, and managed to get him on a, on a cheap deal as well going forward. Uh, another fantastic um, addition. Do you think this young core can stay together? The I suppose the bench brigade specifically. I mean, the... Um, Zion and BI, I think there's a debate throughout throughout wider media as to whether or not um, they can play together. I think they can. I think we've seen that they can play together, uh, being Zion and BI. But um, the bench guys, uh, do you think this is this is a team that um, a bench brigade that can push us forward? I do, and I think I, w- I would be surprised actually if Nikhil isn't threatening threatening to grab one of the starting guard positions next year. I think he's deserving of it. I would hope that at least one of Eric Bledsoe or Lonzo, but specific Eric Bledsoe is traded away. He showed exactly what he thinks of, you know, playing in a Pelicans uniform, which isn't much. He didn't, he didn't bring the effort starting from game one. Um, and of course that lack of focus showed up none greater than that loss to the New York Knicks where he uh, failed to do a simple assignment. You foul Derek Rose. If he's got the ball, right. That's, that was assignment. So Stan told the guys, whoever your assignment is found, don't let him shoot a three or get off a pass or make a play, whatever. He didn't do any of that after a game. He talks about, oh, I just wasn't paying attention. Are you kidding me? And so you, you just got to remove him from the equation. He's not an all-defensive type uh, when his mind's not right. We saw that. His offense is too poor. You know, he's not a three-point shooter. That's what you need to put around Zion and his team. And like I said, he might, he might still bounce back for another team that's a championship contender or at least a playoff contender but it's not for the Pelicans. You can't go through that season again. So Nikhil, I would hope that would grab maybe the two start or the guard spot at number two. Maybe you bring back Lonzo. Maybe you don't. I think you have to decide what you, you know, how much you can resign him for, how palatable, how high you can go before it becomes, it doesn't make sense, right. For the team to put that much money into him. And I also think you've got to decide between almost Ingram and Lonzo. Lyle, even though I love what BI gives you, right. It's rare to find, a guy that can score from anywhere, shoot the three ball. And especially at his length, he can get it over so many defenders. I still wonder about everything else that's required to do in a game that BI doesn't give you. It's a lack of effort, lack of defensive ability, um, wherewithal, wanting to learn. And if he reacted as negatively as it sounds like he did to Stan, I mean, who's to say it won't continue, right? I had hopes that he would have really vastly improved either defensively or as a leader, and we didn't see that. So that concerns me. And he's getting paid max money. So for me, I feel like it's kind of dangerous to keep going forward along Zion with both Brandon Ingram and Lonzo. I think you got to make a decision on one or the other only because that didn't work right for the most part last year. But as far as the bench were great, besides Nikhil, I love Jackson. I think that he, he made so much, so many strides. He became so much more than just a highlight dunker, right? He started showing better defensively. 
not being lost. So executing the fundamentals, being a great lockdown guy in the paint at the rim, something that Steven Adams can't give you, Willie Hernan Gomez can't give you, but Jackson can. And he showed a little bit of playmaking, right? He had a couple of dribble drives, made a couple outside shots uh, on the perimeter. He showed that he can do something maybe in this league. So that would be great. Already mentioned Najee. You need a guy that can run through walls. Um, but I'll tell you what, he's got a pretty complete game. He can, he can get you an assist. He can get you a bucket, get to the free throw line. He's a perfect guy to find because I'm not sure if you can resign Josh Hart. You do bring back Lonzo. It's tough to foresee him also bringing back Josh. But guess what? You got Najee back there. And, of course, lastly but not least, Kyra um, Lewis. He went through a rookie season that I thought was up and down. His best month um, was, what, March, I believe? Yeah, I think March or April was one of two. He really, you know, played well. And everybody's screaming for him to get a lot more minutes. But then he kind of faded down the stretch. I think he hit a rookie wall. But you saw, right, the glimpses. He can knock down a three. He can get to the rim. He's ultra fast, can push the ball. Is a gritty defender, not a good defender. But he's not afraid to, you know, sacrifice his body. He can come up with a steal. You can kind of see that De'Aaron Fox, right, kind of to his game. So that's what it, that's what the craze is today. You've got to be able to have a point guard that can lead a team, not only lead a team, but score from anywhere on the court. And so with what Trey Young's been doing, Donovan Mitchell, uh, even Cameron Payne for the Phoenix Suns, I think Kyra gives you that hope that he can be that for the Pelicans. He's so quick, isn't he? <laughs> Kyra, just say – I remember one player – don't recall what game it was um, – forgive me for that but they threw the ball um and it looked like we were going to do a turnover and he just jumped up grabbed it out of the air turned around and we're away again um massive interception they should have been some sort of nfl (laughs) catch absolutely just these these instincts are um are really there and i know there's been a lot of um i suppose comparisons to other people in the draft as well maybe ones that went deeper into the postseason they go well these rookies have been playing and performing completely from the start and i think Something like twenty-eight of the of the thirty first-round draft picks were actually playing significant minutes this year, and I don't think we've seen that for a long time. Um, you know, I think Kyra fits the fits the mold of, of to what we were looking for beautifully, and I think we did see some really really good moments from him. Um, I, I know there was games where he looked like he'd come off the bench and was the absolute spark plug that we needed, and 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 kickstarted the offense again and the defense with few charges and the like. Yeah, I think there's a, the future's there. I completely agree with the um, with the Lonzo or Bi um, uh, retention. I suppose the, the only issue is you see on social media and the like that they're all such. I know they understand it's a business, but you know they're all best mates and they're all hanging out together and the like. And and do you upset the apple cart by getting rid of one of them and all of a sudden say you get rid of Lonzo, let him walk or sign and trade or the like. And you keep BI, does he then crack a sad? And and then you get this shell of BI because he's unhappy that we didn't do what he said. Um, I know it's difficult tightrope to walk without um, being held over the barrel of a gun by a star player, but it's sort of the league that we're in. Um, the extensions to Josh Hart, Lonzo Ball, um, well, they're impending. It, I, I agree. I think it has to be one or the other. Um, I mean, I'm almost leaning more towards keeping Lonzo than keeping Josh Hart, which I think is, is disappointing, but purely because of the Najee Marshall effect. Um, what, what do you think? Do you think we could get both of them or, or, or just one? Or You could keep both, um, and, and you have the space to do it. But I just wonder, why do you want to bring back a core of players that just really never won, right? Their best months, I want to say, were February and March. I think in February, they went like seven and eight. March, they went like seven and six. So for two months, they played 500 ball, and that's the best they were this season. So I have real issues with no matter how much I like each player or what I think individually of their games, it just didn't work. And so I'd be very hesitant to bring it all back together, right, running it back. So I feel like just Josh Hart might be the most replaceable because he's probably going to need a contract of, say, around $10 million a season, Lyle. And so that's, you know, that's some substantial money getting out of your cap. For a guy who loved the hustle, I love his rebounding ability, his change of pace to where he wants, if he grabs a rebound, he's going to push a fast break on his own. He's a great finisher too in traffic, one of the best for the Pels. But I feel like he just, you know, it wasn't a consistent enough of a performance where you could rely upon him to do that. 
right, where his aggressiveness would allow for that. Yeah, he was always a good rebounder, and he tried his heart out defensively, but I think he's not that much more than average defensively. He's better at actually guarding bigger guys, smaller guys, gives him problems like a lot of people do, right? When a guy's fast, it's hard to stay with him no matter what. So I just feel like Josh Hart is just a kind of a try-hard, a good guy, glue guy you want on your team. But if the Pelicans already have that, I don't know why you need to spend $10 million. Because he's kind of proven who he is in this league, right? He's been in here now five years, and he can help a team uh, with what I've just mentioned. But it's his three ball that worries me the most. If you resign him, if you're the Pelicans, you need some consistent three-point shooters. And Josh has never really been more than, say, a 34 35% shooter from deep. And they just need more than that. I would rather see that $10 million, uh, space on the cap go towards somebody that's more consistent from the outside. Yeah, I agree with that. And there was that frustrating – uh, moments throughout the season where there was a kick to the corner. He sits there, wide open three, uh, bounces off. You know, we saw that a fair bit. And I think um, without the consistency. Yeah. Yeah. And Lyle, anytime he gets injured, I feel like when he's not a fully 100%, it affects his performances big time. We saw with the Lakers. We saw with here in New Orleans. So that's another thing to consider too. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, to the starters, we added, <laughs> we talked about Eric Bledsoe briefly and, uh, and, Stephen Adams in the off season uh, to put around the young core of, of Lonzo, B.I. and Zion. Um, to start off with the start of the season, Stephen Adams was almost our best player. I thought he was, he was almost unable to be off the floor. We had to keep him on because it was just nothing coming off the bench. Um, I don't know, our Kiwi listeners on here uh, uh, were singing his praises. I was singing his praises and, and then, as the season went on, we saw Jackson and, and Billy take these strides and it almost, I don't know if Stephen was was carrying injuries or the like throughout the season. He seemed to be a bit up and down, playing only 20 minutes at times. Um, you know, what, what do you think those two guys brought? I mean, Stephen Adams, probably in the first point, Eric Bledsoe, well, you know, I think we know what he brought. But um, what did you think of Stephen Adams for the most part? I love Steven. I really do. I love his personality. I like that he keeps things light and I like what he provides. He'll do all the things that you need somebody to do on your team without, of course, getting the acclaim for it. So he's down there mixing it up in the paint all the time, uh, sacrificing his body. And you're right. The first two months or so he was gangbusters. I remember him crashing the glass consistently. He was, uh, he basically controlled the paint for the Pelicans on the glass, whether it was defensively or offensively. Sometimes on certain nights in certain quarters, he was the offense because he was able to keep possessions alive or put, do putbacks himself. But as the season grew on, I noticed that he, he seemed to lose a step. He wasn't as mobile. He wasn't, he wasn't able to make an impact. Um, and I kind of noticed that in his last season, last couple seasons in OKC. I just feel like, you know, when you've got that much weight and you know the NBA game, how strenuous it is. And these guys play so many games Lyle, every year. That it's hard for somebody like Steven, you know, who's got to carry that seven foot, what is it, 280, 290 pound, well, probably not much, that much, 275 pound frame, you know, for 35 minutes up the court every other night, you can't do it. Your body won't let you do it. So while I like him, I, I think he can't be asked to, I guess, carry or shoulder such a load like he was at the start of year or he will break down. So from that standpoint, and also, it really hurt the Pelicans at two things. One, teams figured out a way to take advantage of them. All you had to do is run a high pick and roll, get Steven away from the paint, and suddenly ask him to guard a perimeter defender. Pelicans were turned to toast. That's when teams were making it. It felt like 23-pointers a night, right? There were some teams that did set records law. Where I remember Dallas set one. Uh, I forget who else. Maybe Minnesota, Indiana, somebody else. But within like a one-week span, I think two teams set records and one – yeah. I, something along those lines, but it was bad. And a part of that was the Pelicans couldn't guard well because they had to rely on Steven to play those big minutes at center, but then teams found a way to expose him, and they never really got around that too well. Second thing, Steven just doesn't give you anything offensively, and that's a real shame because I feel like he's got some touch, uh, but he doesn't have the best hands and best instincts. Like, when you watch Willie play towards the end of the year, he gives you more. And sometimes you need somebody just to get you a bucket. Steven's only worried about getting a rebound, setting a pick, and sometimes that screws up the spacing in the paint because he's trying to set you a pick when either B.I. or Zion are trying to drive into it. As for Willie, he'll go sit in a dunker spot um, or he'll wait a pass to be able to make an offensive play, right? So 
he thinks more of the game offensively, and that helps, I feel like, the spacing. So, yeah, it, it wasn't a perfect marriage, and I'm not sure if it's salvageable because if Zion never gets an outside shot and you're playing Steven Adams who won't release a shot from outside like four feet and he's not a good free-throw shooter, you're suddenly playing with, you know, kind of – two hand or one hand behind your back, right? Lyle, nobody really plays today's game with two starters that can't get you a bucket outside the paint. I don't care how great you are. It hurts. I think that's why nowadays these traditional centers more and more, especially in the playoffs, you can't play a menace. It's happened to Steven Adams the last couple of years at OKC. He was seeing less men, especially in the playoffs. And I kind of, I think we saw in the regular season last year. So I love the Kiwi man. He's a great guy, but I'm not sure what he, he'll give you other than, you know, just the basics, right? You know, you'll get the effort, the rebounding. He can uh, mold the young guys. That was very important. So maybe for the next couple of years, but to ask for 30, 35 minutes a game from him, just not realistic. Eric Bledsoe, I don't think I have to say much. I've been frustrated with him to literally no end. I didn't like the trade at the beginning because I wanted the Pelicans to keep George Hill. I thought he would have been the better fit. He's the three-point shooter. Uh, he's a better veteran presence, presence, and I was just worried about Bledsoe's transition, going from a championship contender to going to New Orleans when the guy already kind of is losing skills, right? I always thought his all-defensive uh, awards were blown out of proportion, but I thought he was a much better defender. I mean, he never had issues with effort in Milwaukee, so to see it in New Orleans happen right off the bat just broke my heart. And for him to get 30 minutes a game every night broke my heart even more. So – there's no hope for him to have a future. I was hoping that they could have moved him at the trade deadline. I had heard that they had tried to explore it, but it wasn't available. Now it sounds like they're going to have to at least attach an asset. Hopefully it's not too big to just get rid of him. And that hurts when he was expected to kind of help your team, at least be in the part of the transition before you can play the young core like Kyra and Nikhil, then maybe Eric could have given a year or two of, you know, decent play to where you can rely on his veteran presence. Right. But it didn't happen. So they got to move off from him. They can't go through another year like we saw last year. I completely agree. Um, I suppose the uh, the main event, Mr. Williamson, um, we saw finally a full season. He played his rookie year out uh, after having a pretty injury-ridden one the year before. Um, he's going to be – he's so good, isn't he? Like, he is, he is as good as advertised. I, I think this guy – we have to, we have to do so. You know, we saw this um, and probably fast forwarding a little bit to the, to the off season. We've seen these reports that um, someone in his family's unhappy and want him to get out of there. Or there's rumblings of that, of discontent. And I think they're justified. I think he's, he's, it's not a threat. It's more of a, Hey, we're going to start winning because I'm wicked and uh, you need to put stuff around me so that we can actually prove the world and, and start winning because this is an all NBA talent. Um, whether or not the NBA decides to uh, vote him in there, um, what do you what do you think is Zion? How do you think of his year, and, and what do you think we need to do to make sure we uh, appease him? We learned a ton, and we needed to uh, from these two standpoints. One, health. He was able to get through it largely unscathed, right? Um, and the fact that the major previous injuries that he's had, specifically the meniscus issue last year, didn't reoccur to any degree. So the fact that on his, you know, big frame, he was able to get through pretty much a full NBA season. Like I said, fantastic news, right? I think his condition can even improve a little bit more, right? So we can take off maybe another 10 pounds or so off his uh, knees and stuff. And that would really help. But the other thing that we learned points Zion, we learned that this guy doesn't need a point guard to get him the ball somewhere in the paint for him to be able to score. That's what Alvin Gentry largely limited him to in the first year. And he did a great job. I mean, Zion led the league, I want to say, just two years ago of uh, leading in points in the paint, which he did this past season too, but he did it from now catches from the perimeter. So basically, yeah, point Zion being born, being given a chance was great news. I had, I remember David Griffin talking about in uh, preseason uh, during the media day how they had wanted to see Zion at the three, and some of us kind of laughed at that, right? What? Zion, he might be a better small ball center, right, looking at his body, but tell you what, he was right because he's got the skills to be able to play make for others. And his handle improved significantly from the first year. So I think that bodes well. If, 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 if there's one thing Zion needed to do was either to develop an outside shot or to be able to create for others. 
That's where this league's headed. No matter what his talents are, his athleticism, stuff like that, you need to be able to do at least one of those two other things to be able to lead a team. So that happening last year is really bodes well. And it doesn't put that much pressure, as much pressure, I should say, for him to develop an outside shot. I still think that needs to happen if he's ever to crack into what, say the top three, maybe top five in the league, kind of like LeBron when he entered the league. He didn't have an outside shot. It was ugly to look at. But in time, he kind of um, got one where it was passable enough, and now he's become really pretty darn good at it, right? He's had a couple of years close to 40% or over. So if Zion can follow that track, boy, that would be outstanding. But defensively and, and the leadership, those are two issues, or I should say areas that Zion still needs to work on. You know, at the start of last year, he was awful. Lyle, he and Brandon Ingram were awful. But especially Zion, I remember him just hustling out on rotations to uh, cover another shooter or something like that. Non-existent. Um, he wasn't attacking the glass like you wanted to see. And, and like I said, the leadership part. If you're going to truly become one of these top 10 players in the league, you've got to be able to lead your team. So that means you've got to voice, right, your voice when things aren't going right to get on the team. And all year I had heard him say to us in the media after some bad losses or some hard – you know just just painful losses that oh we're close and he was always had always upbeat and positive well that's great but there's a time and a place and i feel like when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over $600 each week you can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. As a, as a true leader, you've got to basically represent the moment. you got to be honest. you got to be genuine, and that wasn't it. So if he's going to really grab the mantle and these reins of being one of the best players, he's going to have to work on that leadership because the guys need guidance. This team sorely needs, you know, somebody to, you know, shoulder the burden of whether it's, it's calling out the right plays, getting somebody to play better, motivating, uh, you name it but they didn't really have it last year. I know that they got along among themselves fine, uh, friends and such, but when it comes down to winning time, sometimes you got to say things that others, you know, don't want to hear, but it's got to be said. Yeah, absolutely. I think that leadership, um, I think it's there. He's just got to, he's got to really harness it. And I think as he gets, hopefully gets older, um, you know, what is he? 20 turned 21 shortly, I think, Um, you know, hopefully, it is one of these things. And I mean, youth is only an excuse for so long. Once I think this year, if we don't see it, you're sitting there going, well, hang on. You've been around the league long. You've, you know what to expect now. You know what these other guys are bringing, these guys that you count as leaders uh, in a locker room are bringing. You need to start stepping up and starting to do that, particularly exactly if, if he wants to become yeah. one of those top five players. And Lyle, let's hope that what he said at the end of the season was the first you know, thing of many. Right, even though that probably did come a family member, it doesn't sound like it comes from Zion. But just to speak up, right, to talk about, hey, this team was not complete, or you know, when when we are in the season, somebody misses a play that you at least say something to that guy personally. He does need to step up and start voicing his opinion because I'll tell you what, people will listen because they want to keep him here in New Orleans or wherever you're trying to attract them to. You cater to the stars of this league, so Zion has that responsibility. I feel like to become that leader that this team desperately needs. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you hundred percent. And hopefully we see that um, another off season addition was obviously Alvin Gentry was out. Stan Van Gundy came in a uh, four year deal. Um, and all of a sudden he was out again. He was uh, <laughs> in recent times. He was, um, they mutually agreed to part ways. Uh, what was that last week? I think yeah, time flies when you're having fun. Um, Right, right decision to get rid of get rid of Stan. 
you had to. If the players aren't all connecting with him and developing the type of relationships that's necessary, especially with one of your cornerstones at least, right? Brandon Ingram and he, I had heard, didn't really see eye to eye for months. Um, they were cordial for the most part, from what I understand. But again, if you're not taking your coach's advice and you're sorely lacking on one part of the floor defensively, and that's where your coach is known for his exploits, right? Bringing the best out of players um, on his teams from that end and you're not taking anything from it. Well, that's a problem. And so it was either going to be kind of like the coach or the player. Well, in today's game, it's always the coach that's going to get shoved out the door. And it sounds like maybe there were other players that had issues too. And you got to wonder, right? I mean, Stan, he's a throwback coach, Lyle. And these guys, it gets harder and harder for them to do their jobs in today's game because these stars, um, especially not just stars, but young guys in general, it's hard to teach them in the ways that you used to be able to in this league. Like say just even 10, 15 years ago. Now talking about them negatively in the post game, like I remember that New York game, he was talking about how what even school kids could have executed the play better. Tell you what, they probably didn't like hearing that. And there's some coaches that are even throwbacks that won't go that route. I personally don't mind it because it needs to be said because they did you know, fall on their faces. But I don't know if you can get away with that nowadays. And that's why Stan was showing the door. So it's a tough pill to swallow. Uh, Zion's going to be on his third coach in his third year. Plus, it costs the Pelicans. I think they gave him a four-year contract, Stan Van Gunny. So Gail Benson's going to be paying on that handsomely still for a few more years. But it needed to be done. they got to get a voice that the players all respect and they respond to. Yeah, uh, I think, uh, yeah, I'm with you on that. I think um, when they brought him in, I was like, yep, defensive-minded coach. And I think that's what I was um, focused on mostly. Uh, as you so- sort of see the attitude and the light go through, um, he was getting frustrated, no doubt. You bring that into the locker room. We're also coming into a season where well, they play 72 games. They absolutely was compressed. These guys are um, in each other's pockets day in, day out, I think more so than ever. And it's no doubt, especially if you have an abrasive personality such as Stan, that you're going, oh, well, I've got to go to work at 7 a.m. to go and get a COVID test. I'm going to see him. Then we're going to go and do film, and that's going to go for such and such time, and he's going to yell at me there, and then I'm going to come to the game, and it's instead of having a couple of days off to decompress, you know, it was a it was a, uh, a bit of a tinderbox, I guess, um, I think, across the league. Well, I can imagine any workplace would be, you'd think, the amount of um, – amount of time you spend together um not all personalities mix i think fantastic job uh and decision to get rid of him i think uh had to be made so who do you think i mean there's been a few hirings uh in the last well, 24 hours almost uh the celtics went and got uh imi Adoku, uh from the nets and rick carlisle signed with the uh with the pacers mm-hmm. who do you think we go after after those two guys are off do you have any names? Yeah. Ime Yudoko is one of my top two choices to come here to New Orleans. The other one, Charles Lee, who's still available. He's an assistant with Milwaukee. He's a young guy. Uh, I want to say he's 36 or 37. But I feel like from everything I've read and heard, this guy has walked all sorts of walks of life. You know, he's a Wall Street trader, very smart guy, knows the business side. So, you know, he can talk to an owner and he kind of hire up executives. And conversely, he played overseas. You know, he had a playing career as well. So, he knows what it takes to grind. And so he can, you know, talk to any your role players sitting down far into the bench. And that's what I've heard about him is basically the book um, that this guy really just communication top notch, understanding of the game's top notch. So the Pelicans, while Stan didn't work out, they still need a good teacher. And so I feel like Charles Lee, even though he doesn't have head coaching experience, probably can offer that. And if, and, and whatever holes he may have, you can fill it out with assistance, just like they did with Steve Nash, right, in Brooklyn, or Steve Kerr when he got hired with the Warriors, because inexperience can be circumvented by bringing in the right experienced minds. But you got to get a voice that the players will listen to, and I feel like Lee is probably that guy. And one last thing that I really love, Lyle, Charles Lee has watched for a couple of years now Giannis and uh, Middleton playing up there, right, in Milwaukee. But guess what? Giannis reminds me a lot of Zion and Middleton, Brandon Ingram. Right. So seeing that dynamic, how they've worked in my Milwaukee and how they've improved, I think he could add a lot to the, this duo, especially if the organization still has a lot of faith in keeping both beyond Zion together. Yeah, that's a good little comparison, actually, the uh, the Giannis and Middleton um, B.I. Zion. Um, 
Yeah, never really. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Absolutely. Um, and both guys, I think, came into the league, um, maybe slept on a little bit more and all of a sudden turned into perennial all-stars. Um, you know, if T- Charles Lee is that sort of teacher, well, you know, get him in. He's, he's seen it done before. It's a, a path that's already been trodden. So, um, yeah, I don't mind that at all. I know uh, David Vanterpoel has also been floated. Um, there's been a few names going around. Teaspoon. He's a big one, Jacques Vaughn. Ah, yeah, yep. Yeah, he was, so he was, well, he was the interim head coach at the Nets, and he, before that, he was at the Orlando Magic. Uh, what is he doing this? Do we know what he's doing this year, or is he having a year off? Yeah, he, he was with the uh, Brooklyn Nets. They retained him. Oh. Uh, he just became an assistant under Steve Nash, alongside Mike D'Antoni and the others. Um, I've heard a lot of positive things about him as well, and I'm not holding his record in Orlando against him. Yeah. Wow, he he was asked to take over a team that lost Dwight Howard first month in his tenure down there. And so going through a rebuild, you're not going to have any success. So please don't hold that against a first time coach. And like I said, I've heard a lot of positive things about him from other coaches, the media and players. And I think it always goes a long ways with me when you hear players in this league talk highly of coaches, right? So that means chances are they're going to be able to build that kind of respect relationships that new Orleans needs here. I mean, they in the Nets, they even ousted uh, Kenny Atkinson and brought Jacques Vaughn in. Um, so, you know, he can deal with the stars. And if you can deal with those personalities over there, well, I think you can deal with just about anyone um, from all reports. But uh, if we went down one of those uh, pathways and we've got the new head coach in, what do you want to see? What do you want to see this season coming? What, what should they implement? Oh, well, they got to figure out an identity. I feel like that's, that's been missing pretty much ever since basketball's arrived in New Orleans. Uh, it seemed like, you know, Monty Williams was building a defensive um, kind of oriented team here with Chris Paul and Tyson Chandler. And then it kind of transferred over to grabbing Anthony Davis, number one, who was so much a better defender than he was an offensive player coming out of school, but he became a lot better offensively. But either way, he always had that defensive mind and approach to teams but, you know, that it, was, it became kind of outdated. I think that's why after the, Pel- or, yeah, the Pelicans back then got swept in 14-15 season by the Warriors that they, the brass got enamored with this uh, run-and-gun style. That's why Monty, despite making the playoffs, was shown the door and they brought in Alvin Gentry. But I'll tell you what, the team, all his teams never really ran, I think, well, um, that run-and-gun style because they haven't had the shooters. They haven't had the good finishers, uh, multiple finishers like you need to be able to execute Alvin Gentry's vision very well. And so now you've got to really just figure out what do you want to be? What can you be? And I think largely it's going to depend on the personnel you bring in, but also you got to make sure that the coach understands that and builds that. Cause last year, you know, you bring in Stan Van Gundy, right? Defensive minded coach, everybody's thinking they're going to, you know, hopefully be a top 10 defensive team, but it didn't happen. Why? Cause you didn't really have the players for it. If you can't convince Zion BI to give a darn about that stuff on that end of the floor, and then you don't have enough, uh, additional guys on the roster that can play, you know, solid defense. And you know what? This whole vision of carrying out stands and this identity of defense well, was never even given a chance. So I just want to see that the coach and the personnel mesh uh, with whatever happens moving forward, right? So whoever you bring in, if you want to maybe kind of forego some defense and just really lay into, you know, Zion being a powerhouse, uh, offensive player, unstoppable force, Brandon Ingram's scoring abilities, just basically give more offense. Uh, you know, a priority, then do so. But make sure you've got then, you know, the the personnel that represents and, and vice versa. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, I think, yeah, the key has to be putting guys around him that complement the two players that dig, that are happy to buy in as well. And and uh, uh, the hardest part is going to be convincing, convincing BI and Zion to say, well, let's give this a crack. You need to give it 100% and, and lead from the front. And hopefully we can get a coach that uh, is a bit of a player's coach, but also runs a hard line and says, well, no, you need to dig in. All five of you on the court needs to, needs to contribute. Um, you know, and, and you don't just do it on one end. You need to do it on both. And I think that's the real test ahead for any coach that comes in. Um, so we missed the playing game. Uh, fell into the draft lottery. The ping pong balls fell uh, well, yesterday and uh, we ended up with the 10th pick. I think that's where we expected to be. We didn't fall. We didn't rise. Um, 
Swin Cash uh, gave us one of the all-time great gifts. Um, yeah, I thought that was absolutely. Uh, I lost it watching that. Um, it was it was fair enough too because I think the whole of uh, the Pelicans nation was <laughs> was with her, um, hoping we'd jump into the top four. Uh, do you think we hold on to this pick? What do you think we do with it? I think there's a chance they do hang on to it if if they go the route that I'm hoping they go. I want them to add as many three-point shooters as possible moving forward. And so you, one way to do it is through this draft. And there's a couple of guys I've circled. Um, there's Kispert, of course, out of Gonzaga. But the two that I'm really interested in is, is Moses Moody, freshman out of Arkansas. He's regarded as being kind of in that mold of Mikhail Bridges and others where, you know, he's going to be a 3 and D guy. He can shoot the three ball well. He's also got the defensive chops. Now, he's not an athlete really by any stretch of imagination, but he's got great instincts and length. So you, you, you kind of trust that he's going to develop at least, like I said, in a three and D guy, uh, not the biggest ceiling, but I don't think that's what this team needs. So I just want guys that can fill in the holes that you have that are obvious around Zion and Brandon. The other guy, Franz Wagner, I love him out of Michigan. I think he can be more than what Moody is because he's six, nine and surprisingly, he's nimble on his feet. He's pretty quick. He can guard even a lot of guards. And I think he'll be able to in the NBA as well. And so you've got that great defensive chops, instincts. His head's on a beautiful swivel. He's got good length uh, so he can get steals that way. And he always makes an impact. He's just a smart basketball player if you watch any of his games from uh, Michigan, which I just did the other night. Watch a <laughs> rerun uh, against Purdue. And he had an off night offensively. But defensively, he's got it, and he can play make. He can make all the right passes. And so I feel like that's what you need for this team. I think that three-point shot will come. A lot of people think that he'll be a 40% three-point shooter, great from the free throw line, even though he didn't show it at Michigan. I think that's the next step. I, I just think that that's who the Pelicans need to add, not only, like I said, through free agency or trade, but also the draft. And those two guys really represent a good swing for the fences. If they don't, Lyle, then you package – hopefully they'll package up the 10th pick get somebody like that that can bring in, but move off of, say, hopefully Bledsoe, but if also Adams, some team wants to take him on than him too. You got to open up some space on the books to get some players that really help, right? Make more sense, better fit. Yeah, it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting. Hopefully we get one of those guys. And um, yeah, I'm high on both those guys as well. Um, I mean, Kispert would be handy as well. He was he 40, 40 odd plus percent. Yeah, I'm just worried, Lyle. Are you? I don't know if you're worried, but I'm a little worried that he he won't give anything else, right? Defensively, yeah, yeah. he will slow. I hear the comparisons of Joe Harris, but Joe Harris worked so hard mm. just to become an average defender in the league. I'm not sure if Kispert, you know, will or even can, right? Maybe the physical yeah. capabilities would be too much. I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, people fall in love with the with the numbers, don't they? And they can say, well, yeah, he's going to be a fantastic three point shooter. We need that, and if he comes with high that but nothing else well all of a sudden we've got people running past you again on the defensive end um so this off season is pretty important um as we sort of mentioned before what do we need to do we need to move on from eric Bledsoe. we need to potentially package up stephen adams potentially um do you have any guys that they that they should go after in the uh in the nba in terms of free agents or whether that be um trades or all the like yeah last year i was big into getting a big wing defender like a jay crowder somebody especially with a veteran presence well this year i've changed i think they need some leadership to help guide this team in key minutes like clutch minutes and stuff so you know everybody would love to see chris paul or something like that maybe even mike conley but i don't find any of those situations realistic i think there might be a chance to grab kyle lowry right on the signing trade from toronto Feel like the team needs that i'm not sure if they're willing to spend it or if he'd even want to come here right i would bet that he ends up probably with miami or philly but that's who the pelicans need to chase somebody like i said that's a vet presence or just another point guard a guard that you can rely on um and i'll be honest with you this especially this playoff series right now i wouldn't mind the pelicans chasing cameron Payne hard i'll tell you what he's making what He's, he's, he's on last year of his deal, making just $2 million, so the minimum, basically. But he's in line for a substantial increase. But I think maybe the Pelicans should consider paying it. I mean, when this guy goes up and has, what, 29 points, nine assists, zero turnovers, in place of Chris Paul, he's 26, shot over well over 40% from three for Phoenix this year. That's a guy they need. I know that Kyra, Nikhil, 
you have hope for them, maybe even Lonzo if you retain them, but you still need more firepower. That's one thing we've learned in this playoffs. You can't have enough floor spacing leaders, um, impactful guys from the perimeter. And I don't think the Pelicans have enough, not nearly enough. Not when you start Lonzo and Eric Bledsoe. Yeah, Cameron Payne, he's fun, isn't he? Um, that 29-point game was just, you could see the passion. And, you know, big shoes to fill when Chris Paul goes and uh, gets COVID and gets sent away and all of a sudden you're forced into the starting lineup and then you do that. I mean, they're, they're going to be rolling the, the truck out for him, I think. There's going to be a bit of, there's going to be a few uh, teams circling for a, a guy that can make shots and nine assists, zero turnovers is just, that's next level. Um, speaking of the playoffs... Um, have you been following it? What do you reckon? Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> it's been great. This has been one of the best playoffs I can remember. And I started watching when Michael Jordan was just really coming into his own in his second, third year. So it's been a long time. And these are one of become quickly one of my favorites. Every series or excuse me, every round has had at least a couple series I've been to die for. And, you know, and, and this one now we're to the Western conference, Eastern conference finals. It hasn't disappointed either. Um, I know that Phoenix is up 2-0, but to what the Clippers let go of that game too. So them going home and them being down 0-2 hasn't stopped them before, right? So I still expect that we'll, we'll get a decent series out of that one. And of course, I still think Milwaukee's going to come back and win, even though Atlanta's fun. Boy, how can you not love Trey Young right now? Um, but yeah, that's going to be a dynamite series too. So my hope is, though, Lyle, that we get to see, I mean, Phoenix for sure. I, I will always love Chris Paul. I love a lot of those other players on Phoenix, but I'm torn between Milwaukee because they got Drew Holiday, but also Atlanta because they're so much fun, right? That's kind of the mold you want to see the Pelicans follow, right? Rise from the ashes, all these years of disappointment to becoming a sudden, you know, almost like a powerhouse, you know, because they've got a superstar, just like the Pelicans kind of have a superstar. So, yeah, it's hard to root for either one or the other, but, boy, you can't go wrong with either Milwaukee or Atlanta. It's, it's so much fun. That's exactly what I was, I was talking about it um, yesterday uh, with a few of my mates. I said, it's just the most fun um, that the playoffs have been for a long time. I think seeing all these different characters and seeing like Trey Young turn into this villain, Devin Booker, all of a sudden look like Kobe Bryant, the, the <laughs> eight and dunk, Jay Crowder's pass was like millimeter perfect. You can't write this stuff. It's all like oh, it's fairy tale stuff. And I, I love the, uh, the narratives that come out of, of the NBA playoffs. And, and, you know, this, I completely agree. This, um, this playoff has just been next level. And I think the fans are returning. They're saying uh, that the ratings are through the roof. The ratings are outstanding, Lyle. That's yeah. so awesome to see. Remember all the naysayers saying, oh, no LeBron, no Steph. NBA, what are they going to do? <laughs> this has been the best news ever. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I think you, you almost get a bit of, um, you know, fatigue watching the same players all the time. So, okay, LeBron's going to go again. And yeah, we, we had some phenomenal final series with those guys playing each other, each other, but it's nice to see the other guys get in there and have a crack. Um, I'm with you. I'm all with, um, with the Suns. I think that, <laughs> um, I think they are just fantastic. And I, I want to see them win. Uh, Drew Holiday, of course, has a piece of my heart. And, you know, if he's in there and, and gets to fight for it, he had a great game uh, yesterday. Um, it was just unfortunate that Trey Young had a better one. Um, you know, yeah. who knows who's going to take it out. But whoever gets it, I think it's it's well-deserved and well-earned, particularly in this uh, shortened, COVID-affected, compressed season. Um, I think it's almost harder to win than it has been in, in recent years. Um, Ollie, just before I let you go, do you have any uh, final thoughts on on the Pelicans of the NBA of, of some pearls of wisdom before we go off into the uh, into the evening? Uh, I'll be honest with you, not really, because uh, we've we've covered everything I think we wanted or should have talked about. But I will say this: don't despair, because I feel like the Pelicans have enough talent to where they can take a leap. Maybe not as as high as Phoenix and Atlanta this year but enough of a leap to where suddenly, okay, yeah, th- okay, I see the, the plan here with this young core. They can be winners because we saw a lot of positive developments. Uh, the growth was there. And I feel like the talent is there. You know, here's a stat for you guys I'll, I'll finish off on because I remember when I wrote a preview for the Brooklyn Nets when I checked the winning percentage the Pelicans had. They beat seven of the top eight winning percentages uh, in the league this year in a regular season, at least once. 
I think only one other team was able to say, I can't remember now who it was, but for the Pelicans who finished well below 500 to be able to say they could do that shows you the talent is there. So they've just got to figure it out, be able to play well on both ends. And you know what? We're going to have a team that we're going to be talking about in the playoffs soon too. Ooh, I like it. And um, yeah, I agree. We did beat the good sides. We always played good against good sides. And then against the average sides, we would, I don't know, we played average. Oh, don't remind me. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it's still too raw. Um, Ollie, where can we find you before we, uh, before we sign off? Uh, what have you got going on? Yeah, you can find all of our work, my work, and all the other writers at the Bird Rights over at SB Nation. Um, or you can follow me personally on Twitter. My full name, Ollie Cosell, O-L-E-H-K-O-S-E-L. Fantastic. Love to thank you again for coming on. It's been fantastic. We have absolutely smashed through um, <laughs> just through everything. We and did I a good job. Yeah. You. <laughs> so I um, appreciate it. Um, we'll have to chat soon. Definitely, Lau. Absolutely, man. But uh, I'll tell you what, props to you because for you to make your schedule fit my schedule over here in the States when you're in Perth, you live some crazy hours, my man. That's, I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> oh, it's all part of it. And uh, it means we get fantastic content like this and get to chat to great guys like yourself. So thank you once again. And um, we'll talk soon. Absolutely. We'll definitely stay in touch. Thanks, Lyle. And thanks again to Ollie Cassell jumping on. Guys, go on and give him a follow on Twitter if you're not already. He is one of the experts uh, surrounding the Pelicans. Uh, he's a wealth of knowledge, and uh, we appreciate him taking the time to have a chat to him. Guys, of course, before we sign off, I'd love to thank the sponsors, mybookie.ag. Go and use the code HOOPBALL, uh, and that'll give you 20% off. Uh, sorry, that'll give you a 50% deposit match when you uh, make your first deposit. And also, manscaped.com. Use the code HOOPBALL20, H-O-O-P. B-A-L-L-2-0. That'll give you the 20% off and free shipping. And, um, you know, we love a discount. So go and do that. Guys, I'm going to leave you with that. Uh, there's a lot to have a think about. And um, we'll keep you posted throughout the off-season as we have. We'll try to get more guests on because we love guests. Um, as always, I'm Lyle Swithenbank. This is the Pelican Scoop. Go and follow us both on Twitter. At Lyle Swithenbank. At Pels is the show. I'll leave you with that. Stay safe. Bye for now. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.